Well, should we get started on episode 15, mm-hmm. The Wolf Among Us, episode 5, Cry Wolf? Yes. Should I do the out of context summary? Let's hear it. In this episode, the crooked man peeps in FBM, Colin's beer gets warm waiting for the elevator, and Bigby's magic clothes make a convenient return. So, in the opening scene, we're now in the crooked man's lair where Bigby is told Georgie is the killer. The crooked man tries to lure him onto his side, and a fight breaks out, leading to a chase that ends with Bigby catching Georgie and Vivian at the pudding and pie. Remind me to never drop a cigarette, because apparently that's an act of aggression. As soon as Bigby drops the cigarette, Jersey pulls a gun on him. It's almost like a, like the beat drops, except it's a cigarette that drops. <laughs> yeah, he's always smoking, so if he drops a cigarette before it's done, maybe that's a bad sign. The Crooked Man says that he's not trying to control Bigby. Do we buy that? Honestly, I think it's just a way to manipulate the situation. Yeah, and then moving forward, something I noticed with him is he likes to twist other people's words and then not give them a chance to refute it. To take that literally, that just means he's making people's words crooked. (laughs) (laughs) Here comes Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing. I told you that when I was rewatching this to get the summaries. Mm -hmm. I can't believe we missed it when we watched it. Georgie pulls out a pack of Huff and Puffs. Wait, (laughs) no. How did we miss that? It's at 4.07. Let me, wait. Sorry, do you mind if I go and... Yeah, it's in the drive. I want to watch it. No. How did... We missed that. Wait. In our defense, it was like half a second. Yeah. So they could have like zoomed in. Well, that's what I like is that it's so subtle. So you have to be looking for it like we are. And I remembered that yeah. he that he smoked a cigarette there. Okay. And so I went back to see what it was because I also noticed later when they're at the pudding pie, there's a cigarette machine and it has Shorettes, which we know Nerissa smokes, and it has Huff and Puffs. Oh. So I was thinking, this was before I noticed that he's pulled out the huff and puffs and so Mm -hmm. this is why i went back to go look Mm -hmm. and so my question was he must be the one that smokes them otherwise why would they be in the machine if nobody Mm -hmm. likes them because everyone keeps saying oh that's a shit brand so it's him Mm -hmm. and then if we remember in the last episode when narissa is with bigby in his office she says to him i thought you were the only one who smoked that shit brand or something along those lines so was she trying to point him in Georgie's direction right there, do you think? I, I'm i trying to think, because did Faith ever mention that to Bigby too? Maybe it's both her and Narissa. I do think that she's trying to clue him in about it, because why would she be bringing that up? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like she's almost saying what we've been saying, which is, <laughs> if you find out who else smokes these cigarettes, like you'll find your guy. Mm-hmm. Confirmation. We were on the right path with the Huff and Puffs. It did lead to the killer. It did. And it's funny that because didn't other customers at Puddin Pie notice that too? Like, are anyone around Georgie, like, do you think they would have spoke up to Bigby saying, oh, hey, you and Georgie both smoked the Huff and Puff. Do you think anyone else knew? I think well, the only reason Narissa said anything is because she knows that they both smoked them and she's involved in this situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anyone else would have had any reason to say anything. I think that was just all Narissa could say in yeah. that moment to sort of point him 
Um, but here's my question with it being Georgie. It seems like it's him, but wouldn't killing them hurt his own bottom line for his business? Probably not. I do feel like the pudding pie is just a front for him to look like he has a job and the source of income. <laughs> where I do think that his biggest source of income is from carrying out the crooked man's orders. And then building off of that, the crooked man says that Georgie misinterpreted his instructions. And that's why they were killed. BS. Agreed. If it was a misinterpretation, then why did he let it happen again with Lily? He's just trying to continue the persona of looking like, oh, it's not my fault and everything. But I do think that his intention was to kill off every single one or have someone do the hit for him. Moving forward in the scene, Bigby stabs Georgie when Georgie comes at him with a knife. And this was not a choice. So it's something the game made you do. And when Bigby realizes what he's done, he says, holy shit. And so my question for you is, is this an indication that he isn't always 100% in control? I do think that Bigby is in control, even though he looks surprised at stabbing him. And I think it's because he's doing it out of self-defense. He's not initiating and trying to like stab him with intent of like, I'm going to kill you. I hear you, but it kills him. <laughs> It was a pre he disarms him, turns the knife and stabs him. He could have thrown it. He could have thrown Georgie. Mm. I mean, yeah, heat of the moment. What's going to happen is going to happen. But I feel like his reaction of saying, holy shit, he seems surprised, I guess. I guess that makes sense. But it for him, it's probably like I either killed Georgie or Georgie continues to hurt more people. Yeah. And then do you think since he was partially transformed... Do you think he was stronger in that moment than he realized, and so the stab went deeper than he intended it to go? I mean, if you're going to stab someone, you're going to do it right anyways. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're strong or not. And so, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really familiar with stabbing people, but <laughs> I do think that being a wolf only means that he's stronger and not necessarily that you lose control. I think it got away from him a little bit. I don't think he lost control. It probably did. But I think mm -hmm. it was just... I think it was more than he intended to do. He probably just forgot how much stronger he is in wolf form mm -hmm. versus human form. I think to lose control, he had to like lose his mind a bit, and I don't think it ever gets to that point where he loses his mind and his choice of what to do. But this conversation leads me into my next question, which is, why does everybody get so hurt in this fight? When fables can take so much damage. At the very beginning of this game, they fall out a window. They get an axe to mm -hmm. the head. Everyone's just fine and dandy. Everyone seems like out of commission after this fight. And I feel like they should have been able to take way more damage based off of what we've seen so far. I think part of it has to do with their will to live. I think if you're willing to keep fighting to live, maybe you're going to live longer. Okay. So you think like if they had gotten to, to Swineheart, maybe... Everyone would have been okay. I think if they didn't want to live and even if Swineheart was there to heal them, they probably wouldn't have survived it. It just seems like a little bit of a plot hole to me because of, it is, of how though. much damage we've seen characters take and now all of a sudden it's just... Woody took a hammer to the head, to the skull, and mm -hmm. he was still fine. This tiny little 
knife to the gut and immediately dies. So Bigby is transformed and chases after Georgie and Vivian. And then he finds his entire outfit in his size on a laundry line next to him. They didn't need to add this in. I know why they did, so that we're not wondering, oh, why is he clothed again? But I feel like this is even more unrealistic than him just magically having his clothes on again. I feel like they should have just left the like the cut where it is and not do the clothes and then like the time break, which means that, oh, he probably went home, showered, cleaned himself up and then showed back up. Like that would have made more sense behind the scenes. Or even just put different clothes on him like he found. <laughs> like why was it his exact outfit? It bothers me. Or just go buck naked. <laughs> That would be so much more intimidating, though, if we're being honest. I think so, with, like, what, a wolf dog <laughs> out? <laughs> well, that, but just, you have to be pretty unhinged to just confront it, someone just butt naked. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to flaunt it, you could. <laughs> don't, don't tell me you wouldn't be more afraid if a situation like this, they were fully nude. Here's the thing, if they're used to seeing Bigby like that, then... They probably wouldn't be intimidated, but for the first time, I think they would try to, like, avoid eye contact <laughs> or lowering the eye contact. There's just something crazy about someone not carrying their naked in a situation like this, especially. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, didn't didn't we just have, like, the, Nike, uh, the naked bicycle march? Yeah, thing? but that's different. Like the- that's an event. <laughs> this is, like, <laughs> someone's coming after you and they're also naked. Is that not more terrifying? <laughs> And he's, like, pretty hairy, too. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Okay. (laughs) So, he catches up to them. Georgie says that Faith and Lily tried to pull a runner on the Crooked Man, and this is why he ordered their executions. And we'll learn more about that later, but then Georgie says to Bigby, you can't know what it's like. At the end of the day, you're just like him, referring to the Crooked Man. What do you think he means by this, and do you think it's true? If you're talking about in terms of leadership where they're more the authoritative figures, where they want to really drive the direction. So for the crooked men, it's like, I say this and you better carry out my orders. And Baby's like, I say this and I'm the law kind of thing. It, it makes sense to make that kind of comparison. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about their morals and everything, then I don't think they're similar. I think Georgia would be wrong about that. I agree, and I think George is saying a lot of things that he'll regret. Well, he doesn't have a lot of time to regret them, but I think he does. And the next one is revealing that Vivian is the origin of the the ribbon spell, and that removing her ribbon is the only way to break the spell. Quick question. Who ties the ribbons onto, like, Faith and Lily and everyone? I guess it's more just the logistics of how does that work? Did a witch cast a spell on ribbons and then tie it? Or does Vivian have the ability to cast a spell? Or You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How do you make it? It's just out of curiosity. I don't think we know how Vivian ended up with it, but Georgie says that she used her Mm -hmm. her ribbon to make more of them. So that was all her. But I don't know how it originated. But then, yeah, she decides to free the rest of her friends and removes the ribbon from her neck, at which point she dies. Because she was pretty emotional leading up to this. Do you think this was more out of sacrifice to actually save those girls and give them freedom? Or is it more about her finally taking control because she seems pretty upset that people used that ribbon to control her? 
I think it's a mix of both where it's just taking back control to end her self-suffering and the other girls can finally have their own freedom. And maybe she, I don't know, she really regrets doing everything in the first place. Well, this brings us to our first so long of this game. Mm-hmm. What is Vivian to you? Is she a mother respecter or a mother I want to clarify a few points first is the intention behind tying the ribbons and, and putting curses on those girls. Do you think she was forced to do it? Like, even though it was still kind of her choice? Or do you think she just like, I'm going to suggest it and I say we pretty much silence these girls or like, I want to choose these girls because I hate them and I'm going to like <laughs> make them suffer. So I guess it's the intention of I'm just going to force it on you or they're like, they willingly let her tie that ribbon around their necks. Yeah. So from my understanding, her and Georgie were sort of partners when they created this place mm-hmm. and the ribbons were, I don't know, both of their ideas or just hers or just his, but it sounds like they both agreed to it and it was sort of a selling point like discretion is our guarantee as far as like which girls i think once the crooked man sort of took over it seems like everyone who owed him money he would have them working at the pudding pie i think the third part is that do you think those girls knew that there was going to be a curse placed on them the moment they get the ribbons on their necks i don't know it's a good question i don't know if they were told the severity of the situation if they remove them they die i don't know i find it hard to believe that anyone would agree to that though before vivian dies i say that she's a mother just because she knows these are going to be the consequences she's subjecting someone else to the same kind of pain she's in so i feel like that there's a lot of malicious intent behind that even though she's selfish and kills herself because she doesn't want to be in that pain and suffering anymore she also recognizes that it releases the girls from their curses so they can take off their ribbons so i think on the spectrum of like mother and mother respecter she starts in the mother zone and when she ultimately sacrifices herself to help save the girls and to spare herself some more pain she moves up to like the neutral area with the hint of mother (laughs) like you know what i'm saying is that not quite to like zero, maybe like a negative one, mm-hmm. like a, a like a smidge of motherness. Yeah, I'm pretty close. Um, I think I'm a little more harsh on her just because like she basically imprisoned them. They couldn't speak freely. She should have known better. You know, she has been living with this. She knows the risks involved, and the fact that it started just for like a selling point. That's pretty shallow to me. And it just shouldn't have taken her this long to release them from it. At the first death, or even the first threat of death, you start thinking of a way out. And I know that at this point the crooked man was involved, but Mm -hmm. she could have done this a long time ago. Not, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be an easy choice, but I mean, how Mm -hmm. do you not foresee this happening? So yeah, for me, she is a a mother I guess with that, you're kind of like persuading me to also lean in more to it because you do bring a really good point that she should have known better and she could have broke the spell earlier don't know if this is going to be true but i think had georgie not been in her life she would have been different a lot of the influence the the negative influence probably was with georgie just seeing how he treats the girls like narissa in the beginning Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you're right that she is more of a mother because 
it was pretty selfish in the beginning. Up to the very end, she was still very selfish. And then mm-hmm. she decided to go like, you know, you know what? I'm going to call it quits. Yeah. And then when she does that, it's sort of reactionary out of feeling betrayed by Georgie and then feeling again like she's not in control. So even the act of that, mm-hmm. which you could say is selfless, it still feels like she was led to to make that decision by selfish motivations or by just being hurt by people, which isn't fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that bring us to Georgie? Yeah. Do you want to dive into it? Yes. The first question is, he puts so many people in danger, like all the girls and everything. I mean, yes, he was also partnering with Vivian, but he also did seem like he had a lot of say in the way it was going to go. His unwillingness to help cooperate, just stalling and preventing Baby from bringing justice, that itself is already a reason why he's a mother I agree. I think we've definitely got another mother here. Yeah. I mean, first off, it appears that he did kill two people. So that's a pretty strong pull to the mother direction. But second, he never even takes responsibility for his part in everything. Oh, yeah. Even if the crooked man is the real villain, like, his hands still did this. He could have said no. (laughs) Right, exactly. He could have said no, and then even you could still admit, like, he says, yes, I killed them, so what? It should be more like, I thought I was going to die, but I wish I hadn't done it. He never really took responsibility. Mm -hmm. It never seemed like he felt regretful at all. So that bothers me. Or even regretful when he throws like hateful words and like pretty much throws Vivian under the bus and everything. Yeah. He acts like he's in love with her and all Romeo Juliet by like letting himself die when she dies and everything. But if he really like loved her or had still some good intentions with her, which I doubt that he has any, (laughs) he would have apologized for hurting her or like explained himself. Yeah, exactly. That was my last point. Like he throws her under the bus and turns his back on that relationship that seemed like it was pretty strong so yeah exactly Mm -hmm. you're right and then she just drove him here in this intense car chase with a werewolf and as soon as he gets you know his back into a corner he turns on her that's so wrong and then like Mm -hmm. you said he doesn't have an explanation all he says is i didn't mean it okay then what did you mean so yeah for me he's just definitely mother mother And then also, I briefly mentioned it, but he dies. So Bigby has now killed somebody. There are a lot of other people you could have killed if you had so chosen (laughs) earlier in the game. But this one's not a choice, uh, as far as I know. Going back to the point that it takes a lot to kill a fable. So in a way, I almost feel like Georgie, like, killed himself in a way where he didn't continue to fight to live because i still am convinced that if he wanted to live he could have but i think it's just like he chose to die i i don't i don't agree (laughs) but that's okay i mean i think maybe if he'd gotten to swineheart he could have been saved but i think he would have bled out no matter what and then i had another thought which you'll probably disagree with. Um, But when the stabbing occurs, this is right after Bigby finds out that he is the killer. So do you think there is even just a little bit of of anger in that stab or even just vengeance? Or if you want to call it justice for these women? I don't, I still don't understand how that's a fatal wound, you know? Like, yeah, man, like Woody took an axe to the head, to the skull, 
and survived. Like, I don't, I watched this again and I don't understand how it's fatal. That's why I feel like we are disagreeing on this is because it seems like it shouldn't have killed him. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why you're leaning on, oh, he chose to die and I'm leaning on. Mm -hmm. I think it's a plot hole. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we both agreed that. Yeah. It seems like it shouldn't have killed him. Mm -hmm. And so my, my argument is if this is not a plot hole. And this was my question. Do you think since he learned Georgie was the killer, there was maybe a little bit of loss of self-control due to to anger because he found out that he killed them? I think not only is it anger, I think it's anger mixed with setting, like, as the law enforcer, he's also seeking revenge on his behalf. It's not just his anger, but it's everyone's anger and mm -hmm. he's the one carrying it out. Yeah. Moving on. Scene one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Bigby arrives at Shepherd Metalworks after Georgie said he would find the Crooked Man there. Bloody Mary attacks him, and the Crooked Man is taken into custody. This was such an intense scene, the fight scene. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of notes because most of it's fighting. But my first note is just, Georgie sells out the Crooked Man, which is a fatal flaw in the Crooked Man's design. If he has to keep sacrificing people like this to save himself, sooner or later, he's going to have no one left. Either he's turned everyone over or enough of them have seen that happen that they're like well i'm gonna be next and then they leave but then that brings up a question can they leave can you just leave you know the crooked man's inner circle i think in a way because i feel like the crooked man would have not needed anyone else like he would have kept recruiting people especially with like people who owe him and everything he could have like kept recruiting people not very competent people, but he mm -hmm. could have. So I think it's fine that if he kept killing people and probably to the very last person, he's just going to be the one who like ends it and kills that person. Yeah. And do you think his, you know, his design works until Bigby and Snow are in control? Because we know he had Crane in his pocket. So did it just take someone actually pushing back for his structure to start falling apart? I don't know. I don't know where I leaned on this one. What do you think? It's he weirds me out. <laughs> he does. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like he he's losing control, but he's acting like he's not. But in that opening scene, you see some people start to push back, like Vivian. And then also we hear him through the door before Bigby gets in there that he's planning on trying to to get Bigby on his side. And that's clearly not working. And he starts to get angry. The crooked man starts to get angry in that opening scene. But then later in this scene, when he confronts Bigby, he's all calm again. And so I get weirded out by him because I think it's starting to crumble now that some force has been applied to it. But he's either just not willing to admit it or he's pretending it's not happening. I think he's in denial. I, I think that's maybe our third option is that to get where he is, he must have had some pushback in his experience, right? So I feel like this one i think deep down he knows it's crumbling but he's just in denial that he thinks he can still talk his way out mm -hmm. that people are dumb yeah and we'll see that in the last scene yeah i do i honestly i do think that he knows it's it's crumbling he knows it's like he's gonna lose it and the only way he can cope is to pretend that he still has enough power mm -hmm. to make other people believe him bigby enters the building and we see a board with a bunch of pictures thumbtacked to it and mm -hmm. I listed them out. We see a picture of Bigby and Snow. We also see an image that was also in Lily's box of belongings. 
from the trip trap, showing what appears to be mm-hmm. Nerissa Faith and a third woman who I'm assuming is Lily, but we don't have confirmation on that. Then there's a picture of Holly in snow, a picture of Bigby outside the pawn shop after that fight because he's all bloody. And then there's a picture of Faith whispering in Bigby's ear, and then the two of them talking. And one last picture of Faith yelling at Nerissa. So I don't know what those tell us. And I think we'll go back to this either at the end of this episode or in the summary. Because it confuses me. Mm-hmm. It confuses a lot of my theories that I have. I When you read that, like the whole Faith yelling at Nerissa, I'm, I am curious what it is about. So then we get to the fight between Bigby and Bloody Mary. And a few notes on her character. It seems like she can basically teleport anywhere at any moment. And she can multiply. It seems like we get down to the last one, the true Bloody Mary. And it seems like Bigby, in his true form, by the way, which is a giant wolf, kills her. Can we be sure she's really dead? Can we be sure that that was her? You know, what's to stop her from creating all these clones and then just teleporting away? That's the thing. We don't know if she's dead or not. I agree. And here's the thing. She's actually stronger than Bigby in a way because in that original fight, she ends up not killing him. But I feel like she could have if she wanted to. And I feel like she's smart enough to not let herself be in the position Bigby was in. Yeah. I hate her, but she's really smart. And that's why I feel like she's she's still out there. We may never know. And then after this fight is over, Bigby's back in his human form and we have an aabm an almost almost booty moment although the crooked man is kind of peeping at him from that window so i think for him it might have been an fbm <laughs> full booty moment <laughs> um but that brings us to scene two unless you have any more notes on scene one nope bigby and the crooked man make it to the witching well chamber where snow and many members of fable town are gathered for the crooked man's trial and the crowd is undecided until Nerissa shows up and seals his fate. I honestly don't think the Crooked Man believed he did wrong. He believes that he's the hero. It's all about how he helps the people. Mm-hmm. And he believes that he's their savior. And so, yes, partially he's in denial. But it's also because he still thinks he's doing the right thing. I think he maybe had, like even originally started out that way you know being good along the way he realized how much money he could make or it was always sort of about control and sees this as i know it's right for you so let me control you no one person can know what's right for everybody and then that's when he might start to lose control of someone and that's when forcing people into debt and all that starts and i think at some point he realized that he's a really good manipulator so why not just continue that and to get people to do what he wants My first note is just Snow says that she's glad he made it back in one piece. And then they just smile at each other. My other note, what side is Bluebeard on? Like, he's been so shady this whole game, and now he's all gung-ho, kill a crooked man. And I kind of thought he was on his payroll, so I don't know what to think of him. I actually think it's because Bluebeard wants to take his place. Between... Bluebeard just being way too happy to (laughs) want to smash these brains and he's just obviously he's doing everything for his personal gain he was criticizing why Snow got to be where she is and be the self-elected leader Mm -hmm. so I think he's just jealous and trying to protect his spot by making sure no one gets to have any more power so when the time comes he can be the most powerful yeah 
the the only way I can make sense of his character is that he he's just doing what's right for him in every situation. In this situation, it's best to have the crooked man out of his way because that's someone more powerful than him. It seems like he's power hungry. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he, he doesn't really have a side. It's just what's best for him. I get so annoyed at <laughs> the crooked man when he keeps interrupting and cutting off snow. And then he even says, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's like, yes, you did. A hundred percent. It was your intention. Then shut up if you don't want to <laughs> Right? Like, quit doing I just interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just interrupting you as I was making my No, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's so annoying, though. I'm surprised Bigby didn't snap earlier or Snow didn't say, I'm like, well, then stop interrupting me if you didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, he does finally say, let her finish. It's too late, though. He should have done that the like, second. I wish it had given me the option to slap him. Yeah. It might have, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it didn't. I Oh, my gosh. So annoying. And then she starts reading off. I'm pretty sure everyone... Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure everyone would slap him, like, if they had the option yes. to. 100% everyone would be like, slap him. <laughs> He's the worst. Um, but then Snow starts reading off the charges against him. And this is when she says the term forced prostitution. And this has kind of been a question for us. I think we've sort of decided that these women are in debt and they get sort of dragged into the prostitution. But we've never really had confirmation until now. And then following that point up, he makes the argument, when your government abandoned you, I was there to look out for you. Who's the real villain here? Because we have talked about, you know, the government failing. But at that time, Mm -hmm. the government was Crane. I I feel like... He separates himself from the government, though. He's his own entity, and everyone else is another entity. Yeah. He was controlling Crane, and we know the business office wasn't doing anything to help. Mm -hmm. So do you think that was the crooked man's design? Like, the business office can't help you, so now you have to come to me. So do you think that was all part of his plan, making the government look like they're incapable or not wanting to help people? I think so, and I think he probably was the one who would be, like, spreading rumors and gossiping, saying that, oh, Bigby's the worst. Yeah. Don't go to Bigby. <laughs> he sucks. Lawrence is here, and he says that Faith was manipulated and that she didn't want to go into prostitution. So we just keep getting confirmation, even though the crooked man seemingly is starting to sway some of the crowd. Oh, man, and I just have to mention the low blow... When he compares Snow to Crane. Oh. At that point, he was desperate to make people hate Snow or to start planting seeds of doubt in Snow's credibility. Yeah, it almost seems like a childish little swipe at her. I think this is exactly how it opens up for Auntie Greenleaf to want to jump in because she already doesn't like Mm -hmm. Snow. It's a way of giving her the opening to start try to turn citizens against snow yeah exactly and then that is when snow starts to own up to her mistakes this comment from the crooked man that leads to auntie greenleaf questioning her i think it sort of backfires because it shows the crowd like she is self-aware well that's the thing is that the crooked man's only used to being around people like georgie who will never own up to their mistakes and he doesn't do that. He thinks everyone is similar to him where they're probably not going to own up to their mistakes. So it backfires. He's not used to seeing people like that. My question is, why is Auntie Greenleaf so quick to protect the Kirkman? So, yeah, this is kind of interesting to me. 
Because she's not the one that you would expect to stand up and say, let's not kill him. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she's still just grateful to him for getting her her tree and allowing her a way to get income. I think they're in cahoots. I think that she might be the next Kirkman. I just don't trust her. Then Nerissa shows up. The spell's been broken and she seals the Kirkman's fate when she says she was in the room when he ordered Faith and Lily to be killed. And they decide to lock him up. Well, Bigby decides to lock him up. And then he says, you're going to take the word of a stupid. And then she cuts him off. And I want to know, stupid what? What was he going to say? Prostitute? I hate to say this, but I'm pretty sure he was going to say a stupid <laughs> Probably. And it seems like as he's getting more desperate, he's starting to get a little more childish and just kind of nasty and less eloquent. And I think this is the, the height of him just losing control, losing the crowd, losing support. He's grasping at straws. Yeah. They're trying to decide what to do with him. And Nerissa makes a suggestion of having Bigby decide because they appointed him sheriff. He's the only appointed official. And so my big question with this is it seems like a lot of citizens fear Bigby. But then they appointed him sheriff. I don't really understand that. I think it's they fear him for what he can do to them, but they don't fear him for what he does. Okay. But they don't mind him doing all the dirty work for them. It's pretty much the same as Beast thinking that Bigby is like such a terrible person. And when time comes, they're like, hey, can you just kill him so we don't have to pay back our <laughs> yeah. debt? So it's pretty like they're pretty much hypocrites that they fear him, yet they want him to do his dirty work. But they're going to judge him when he does do dirty mm -hmm. work for them. Later in the next scene, he'll say it's never enough for them. So, yeah, I think you're I think mm -hmm. you're onto something. I think they have these things they ask him to do, but then they're mad when he does it because maybe it scares them. Mm -hmm. It's not even them. Snow. Snow, too. Yeah. Yeah. With the dust settled, Bigby sends off the fables headed to the farm, including the crooked man who Auntie Greenleaf has turned into a crow. Nerissa makes a confession to Bigby and leaves him dismayed. Again, what is with Bluebeard? Does he now have a job at the business office? I thought Snow thought that he was up to something. So what the heck is going on? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if Snow's just having a dumb moment of, <laughs> like, you know what? Go ahead. I'm tired. Come help me. Or if it's like, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Mm -hmm. And she wants to keep an eye on him at all times. Yeah. I feel like we never find out his involvement in all of this. And I don't know if, you know, if we had gone to Crane's apartment first and seen him burning stuff, if that would have explained it. But it seems pretty clear that they hint that he's involved with something, that he's up to something. And I feel like we never figure out what that is. I'm bothered by the fact that we don't know if it's potentially Auntie Greenleaf, Bluebeard, and the Crookedman actually all partnering something even further behind the scenes. Or maybe Bluebeard is the real puppet master. Mm -hmm. And Auntie Greenleaf is helping Bluebeard manipulate the Crookedman. I think something's going on. And I think that I we agree. either missed it or made choices that made us miss it. Or we just never know. I feel so sad for Colin because he's being sent to the farm. Is he? Possibly turned into bacon. I couldn't figure. I didn't think he was. Well, at first I thought he was. But then at the truck, Toad asks, where's Colin? Mm -hmm. And I chose to answer, how should I know? 
And it was either like, how should I know? Or he, I think something like he's not going to the farm. So it seems like he's not going. Because I, I feel like the way Colin gives him attitude kind of shows that he's mad at Big B. Yeah, that's what I felt too. Yeah, the other thing is that he it could just be an act and it's actually Big B helping him, but they need Colin to pretend like he's mad or something mm-hmm. just in case someone's watching. You know, does he wink at him? I think Colin winks at him. Hold on. Wait, are you watching it? Yeah, let me watch it again. Okay. <gasps> he winks at him. Wait, wait. Go to, what time is it? What time is it? 58.15. How did we miss the Colin wink? What? <laughs> he Hold winks. Let me, let, me, let me watch it again. Wait, okay. I completely missed the wink. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> wait, where's he walking to? I think he's going to Bigby's apartment. He's carrying a six pack or like a five pack. Yeah, and that was my thing is, first of all, he complains to Snow about not having thumbs and not being able to work, but somehow he gets his mouth around a six-pack. And then what, is he just waiting outside the elevator for someone to come by and it opens so he can hop in? He's not going to the farm then, right? Mm Mm-mm, he isn't. It's an act. (laughs) The wink, dude. Uh, Yeah, we we both missed it. Wow. We missed the wink and the huff and puffs. This is why we rewatch when we have questions. I don't have anything until Narissa. Do you have anything about Toad or Tone Jr. or anything? Yeah, well, Toad Jr., he's so cute. I feel so bad. I know, Toad yells at him. I know, and here's the thing. Is that, do you think that it's the right choice to force the people who can't afford glamours into the farm? For now, I, I understand it. Because there is the risk of someone seeing this and then everyone's in danger. But I do think that the system is sort of rigged against these kind of characters, like Colin said. The conversation between Nerissa and Bigby. It's actually really nice. And to end on the note where, almost full circle, where Faith goes, you're not so bad, to Bigby. And in the end, it just kind of reaffirms that Nerissa agrees that Bigby isn't that bad. And it's nice to, for the first time, really have the change in perspective where his conversation is led by someone who has faith in him mm-hmm. versus someone who's afraid of him or doubts him or wants to use Bigby for their own selfish reasons. Or you see him, I don't know what's up with Snow and him with that relationship, but it's pretty toxic in my opinion. <laughs> so it's actually nice to see someone who genuinely thinks of Bigby as a good person. Agreed. I think he and Snow, like he even says, I don't know where we stand right now. I think she's sort of in denial that she likes him. And then with everything that's going on, she's just not been very good to him. So hopefully that'll change because he definitely likes her. But I agree. Nerissa being so honest with him and then also, like you said, reaffirming that he's not doing the wrong thing. It's Mm -hmm. great. I think he needed that. And then, yeah, she says... A couple things. First off, she lied. She says she knows that it was the crooked man, but she wasn't actually there when he gave the order. That might have changed the outcome of what happened with the crooked man. And then that raises a question, is it right or is it wrong to lie for for justice? Like, I guess we don't know for sure. She does what the truth is, but do you think she did the right thing or is it a little questionable? It's This is the same issue that you face in reality, too, with the justice system, too. Not mm-hmm. trying to get 
too political, so please don't come at me. But we've all seen Making a Murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just the the thing is, I honestly I haven't seen it, so I'm just gonna ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch Not it. everyone has seen it, but anyway. So the thing is that, how much of a technicality do they have in their town? Do you need all your T's crossed and I's dotted, or is it like my word good enough? It's almost like in those situations where you have evidence but you tamed it incorrectly, and all of a sudden that evidence becomes invalid. The evidence still points to the truth, but the process of doing it is wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you you question like is like the means to an end worth sacrificing everything in between and stuff. So in yeah. a way, like long story short, I think she did the right thing. So much of what we learn in this game is just it doesn't have evidence. The only like hard evidence we have is the huff and puff connection, the cigarette in the room and Georgie smoking them. And then the last one is the picture of Crane and Lily. We get confirmation here that she stole that. So those are really the only three facts we have. Everything else is just something somebody said. Well, here's the thing. I think to build off what you're saying is that had Nerissa not did what she did, and she knows that there's so few evidence out there, justice would have never been served for Faith and Lily he would have gotten away with it and she knows that she knows there Mm -hmm. wasn't enough evidence she knows what was going to happen so this was the only way left for her but then she says that she left faith's head to get big b's attention and then if you remember he found a scrap of jeans fabric at the scene and so when i was playing this i remembered that Mm -hmm. and i wasn't paying attention to the dialogue because i was just like looking at her pants to see if there was a piece missing. (laughs) And you can't see any of it missing, but then one of the dialogue options is that piece of fabric. So I think we can say (laughs) with fairly Mm -hmm. good certainty that it was a piece of her jeans and that she did leave the head there. Well, with the jeans thing, though, I think we've only ever seen her wear a dress, like that outfit. I don't think we've ever seen her wear anything different. Yeah, I think maybe it's just when she's not working then she walks away and says you're not as bad as everyone says you are which we earlier heard faith say to him Mm -hmm. and then this spurs a plethora of memories and realizations for big b we hear multiple familiar voices and lines from the game and it is confusing and i think we're gonna save figuring this out for the summary Mm -hmm. i think we've got a lot of rewatching to do yes so I'm excited to really look into all these quotes. Me too. I had the exact same reaction. It's like, what is going on? And when we watched it together, I was trying not to say too much. I think we really do need to listen to it line by line to mm-hmm. analyze what it is. But I have an episode look back real quick before we finish. Okay. Nerissa convinces Fabletown to allow Bigby to make the choice on what to do with the Crooked Man. Did she play a long game here by gaining Bigby's trust? And then in this moment, she sees her opportunity to sort of cash in on that because we know she lied about the Crooked Man. So I was just curious because she's the one that ultimately convinces everyone else to let him make the decision. And she's also the one who gives the evidence people were looking for. So it seems like she kind of manipulates everybody with this lie. I think there's two parts. So the first part is letting Big B choose to decide. And... I don't think it's like she's manipulating people to let 
Bigby make the decision. I think the decision always rested with him as the sheriff. So I think it's just her standing up for Bigby in that moment to clarify that he can make the decision. Mm-hmm. And then as for like the giving people the evidence that she needed, I think, yeah, that part did have some manipulation in it. Feels weird because it had to have happened. Otherwise, he would have been set free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I mostly agree with you. It's more just I have questions about it. She pulls that, you know, that lie, puts the decision in his hands. I don't necessarily know if that was out of manipulation, but more out of mutual trust, maybe. But then also, would she have trusted him to make that decision if she hadn't lied about hearing him order the deaths and then at the end of the of the game when she confesses the truth to him is that just sort of like her coming clean and apologizing to him i think they have mutual trust but i think she did sort of take advantage of it in that moment yeah i think there was no other way about it she had to take advantage of him if she didn't make that lie do you think she still would have advocated to have bigby make that final decision I think that's the question of how deep does the, you know, the manipulation or taking advantage, whatever you want to call it, how much of it was intentional. But the fact that she sort of confesses the truth to him makes me think that she feels a little guilty about it. At least not about the crooked man, but about putting Bigby in that position where he made a decision based off of a lie. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, cigarette count? Yes. Oh, my God. What did I say? You said six. There were three. Ugh. My game total guess was 17. He smoked 18 and one cigar. So I think I was Dang. two away. But, I mean, I did play through it <laughs> before we started watching. We'll summarize it next week. We'll try to get to the bottom of this confusing Narissa situation. Mm-hmm. If you still have questions on that ending. <laughs> <laughs> we might not figure it out, so you might be very let down, but we're going to do our best. Yes. <laughs> Prepare yourself for disappointment. And that way we can over-deliver. All right, you want to count us off? Yep. Voice recorder on one. Three, two, one.